thank you to everyone who listens to Combos Court Across the Globe. Combo Nation, what up, what up, what up everyone? Welcome to episode 198 of Combos Court, and I am Combo. Don't forget to rate review and punch down on that subscribe button right on your apple podcast app or wherever you listen to combos court man tell a friend to tell a friend about the show we here at combos court would greatly appreciate it today's show atlanta hawks beat reporter for the athletic chris kirshner joins in a great conversation with chris you could find chris on twitter at chris kirshner that's ch R-I-S-K-I-R-S-C-H-N-E-R. You know you can find me on Instagram at 1-2-Combo. That's O-N-E-T-W-O-C-O-M-B-O. Intro music by Luca Beats. Let's get into it. Kirshner, Hawks beat reporter for The Athletic. Welcome to Combos Court. How you feeling? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Anytime. A bunch of crazy games yesterday. But before we get into that, uh, you wrote an interesting story on Magic City Wings. Um, I'm more of a honey barbecue type of guy. I think you got two <laughs> Williams lemon pepper. Am I right? Am I right? Is that what you, yeah. that what you ordered? Yeah, I got the lemon pepper barbecue. So uh, Lou actually has his own flavor at Magic City. That just tells you how often he goes there. Um, right. So... Those are the those are the ones I got. How were they? They were actually good. I mean, in the story I wrote a few weeks ago now, um, you know, I uh, described the wings, and you know, you wouldn't think. I mean, I don't know where your your listeners are coming from, but in the South, so I live in Atlanta, and strip club food, especially in the South, is common. Um, you right, know, people up north or. Uh, on the west coast may, may look at it funny but you know that that's the thing here in the south so i hadn't been to magic city yet i've lived in atlanta for six years now and I, I have to say i mean i've heard a lot of hype since i've been here about the wings even before lou will made it popular um and they right. were they were really really good um i would definitely go back just to have the wings um you know, maybe catch a show afterward. Um, but yeah, I mean, <laughs> why not? <laughs> I mean, yeah, why not if you're there? Um, but yeah, I, I thought they were really, really good. Awesome, awesome, uh, Chris. A bunch of crazy games last night. Um, what did you make of, especially the Denver of uh, Clippers game? I'm hearing a lot that Kawhi choked, and I, I wouldn't really agree with that. I never thought they were a championship level team. I thought the Lakers had the highest chance to win the championship pretty much the whole season before the bubble. I think he looked tired. How much do you think load management caught up to him in the sense that he just wasn't playing a lot of basketball games consistently together? Like he didn't string along a bunch of games. And do you think that came back to haunt him? And uh, what did you make of yesterday's game? Well, you know, last year when Kawhi was with the Raptors, uh, you know, he went through the same process that he did this year with the Clippers and, and load management and right. managing the minutes throughout the season. And, and it worked last year fine. Obviously, they won, won the title. 
I don't know what it was this year with with um, with Kawhi. I, I mean, I thought leading up to yesterday's game, he looked fine. Obviously, he he struggled yesterday. Um, but as far as the Clippers go, I, I really have a hard time understanding exactly what went wrong. So a few months ago, my coworker at the Athletic, uh, who covers the Clippers, uh, Jovan Buha. Uh, reported that there were chemistry issues, you know, several months ago. Um, and there was a, this deep reported story about how, you know, they're kind of dysfunctional in the locker room. I, I think that showed itself pretty well over these past few games, you know, blowing 10 plus digit leads in multiple games, looking like absolute frauds last night in game seven. It, it looked like they, um, just did not want to be there. And again, it's a game seven and, you know, you're one game away from being in the conference finals. It, it looked like they would rather be anywhere else, but uh, that game last night. So, you know, taking away what, um, what the Clippers looked like last night, I, I just have a hard time believing that they're going to be able to turn this around next year, unless you know, some of these guys that they have on the roster take a really long look in the mirror and say, you know, if I, if I want a title with this team, something has to change, especially with Paul George. Um, he looked absolutely atrocious last night. There's no other way to describe it. Um, he did not look like he had any sort of right to be called playoff P. He had no right to be called one of the best players in the league. He looked absolutely atrocious there's no other way to describe it and you know I'm, I'm curious now what what this does moving forward for the Clippers and their future because you know Kawhi and Paul George could opt out of their contract next summer and that might cause a lot of damage long term for the Clippers if that does happen because you know last year they they traded a bunch of picks they traded Shea Gilgis Alexander Danilo yeah. Gallinari to Oklahoma City and if Paul George and Kawhi end up saying you know what this this isn't working next year they're screwed because I don't know how the hell they're gonna be able to improve their team because they don't have control over their own first round pick until 2027 because the Thunder have a couple of pick swaps in there and they have the rights to you know if if the Clippers have uh you know a worse pick than a better pick than they do they can swap with them so I just don't see a pathway to them being a good team for many years if they don't fix this fast. And it's going to be interesting to see what they do this summer. They have a couple of free agents, Montrez Harrell, who I think lost a ton of money this series. Um, he's the free agent. He looked awful. Um, he, he couldn't guard Jokic. He couldn't do anything. Um, I, I still don't understand what Doc Rivers was doing, keeping him on the court. He had no business being out there. I think he lost a lot of money, so maybe uh, the Clippers can get him on a discount. Who knows? But they have a lot of big, big decisions ahead, um, and it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Yeah, there's a lot to unpack there. And I think you mentioned CP3, and it's interesting because I'm hearing CP3 to the Bucks a lot. And mm -hmm. we looked at the Clippers roster, and I think a lot of people, when they projected them as championships, you would say that they were the favorite amongst most, right? Yeah, I mean, go, yeah, going into the season, I, I thought the Clippers, um, you know, I, I picked them to win it all. Right. And it's, you know, anytime you have, at least on paper, two of the best two-way guys in the league, 
Um, you know, going into the season, Paul George was, you know, definitely in the conversation for top 10, top 15 player in the league. So anytime you have those two kinds of players on your team with the depth they have, Lou Williams, Montrezl Harrell, um, you know, you have a really good chance of being in contention. And obviously it didn't turn out. And I think last night showed that they really could have used, you know, a, a point guard because yeah. that's, that's something that they are definitely missing. I'm, I'm curious to see what, what they're going to do there because, again, like they, they just don't have the, the space and the assets now to make something happen. So they, they kind of have to roll with what they got essentially moving forward because they don't have the luxury of having you know draft capital like other teams have or young players to trade because like they got rid of those guys already that's what's interesting about it i think a lot of people made that projection because of the roster and not really putting Mm -hmm. chemistry into it and like let's say a cp3 did go to milwaukee i don't think that makes them favorites in any way because you would have to make so much change to the actual system. I mean, Giannis has a high usage rate. Chris Paul would need the ball. Your window would be short. Um, Do you think that's the right move for Milwaukee to look for CP3? And what would be their expectations? Because I don't think it's, in in my opinion, I wouldn't expect a championship out of it. Well, I I think they messed up with giving Eric Bledsoe the the money they gave him. Um, You know, I I don't think he has shown that he is deserving of that contract one and two. Um, he just doesn't fit with what they need. I, I do think that uh, Chris Paul solves some of the issues that Milwaukee showed against Miami and not even just Miami, Orlando. Um, right. I, I didn't think they were going to have as much problems as they did against Orlando. But I, I do think that them pursuing Chris Paul makes a lot of sense. I don't know if it, you know, puts them over the edge over teams like Boston and, and Miami moving forward. But Gian- Giannis would have to do a lot of adjusting, right? He would have to do a lot of adjusting. But the, right. the one thing I, I will say about him is that he's likely going to end up winning MVP this, this week or whenever they announce it. Um, he is one of the top three players in the league, whatever you want to say. Um, you know, he, argu- arguably the best player in the league. Um, I, I think that I don't think I don't think you could have him over LeBron, even arguably, me personally. Yeah, I mean, like personally, like right now, who would I rather have? I would I would have LeBron. Right. Um, but he, I mean, Giannis is definitely in the conversation of being one of the best players in the league. I, I don't okay. know what. Yeah, I mean. I, I know I saw some people saying Giannis is a fraud. Giannis is a fraud. No, no, not a, not a fraud, but I think no. there's some guys that are better than him in the league. You know, definitely not a fraud. I never bought into that he was the best player in the league, but obviously he's far from a fraud. You know? Yeah, I mean, because, like, they lost in the second round, and people are saying, like, well, you know, this guy's your MVP. Like, you know, that's a yeah. joke. But yeah. he, he, he would definitely have to make some adjusting. It's, it's a good point you make. If Chris Paul does end up getting traded there, I, I think Oklahoma City is – is ready to, you know, hit the reset button. And it would make sense for them to try and trade them to a contender because sometimes, you know, if you trade a a big piece like Chris Paul to um, one of these contending teams, a lot of the time, especially a team like Milwaukee, who is now desperate to try and make a a championship caliber team around Giannis, they're probably going to overpay. And, you know, that obviously helps the Thunder who are, likely going to rebuild next season 
Chris, let's shift to some Hawks talk, man. Uh, man, it's, uh, it's crazy. These teams haven't had the opportunity to play a lot of basketball yep. uh, during these times. How much of a disadvantage do you feel that is this long of a break? It's uh, you know, unprecedented one, and I think it's going to be a gigantic disadvantage for the eight teams who didn't get to go to Orlando because – you know, we're now in month six of the off season for the Hawks, and it's going to be at least three more months before they have um, a chance to play. So we're talking about three quarters of a year of no competitive basketball for a team that is as young as the Hawks. That's uh, a huge disadvantage because, one, you're, you're trying to – build chemistry with this team that's really young and for Travis Schlenk the general manager it's incredibly challenging and important to figure out okay who who is a part of this team long term we know Trey Young is a part of this team long term right but who else um you know they have some interesting young players and John Collins um, who's definitely grown into one of the better young power forwards in the game. They have some, you know, complimentary pieces like Kevin Herter, uh, Cam Reddish, DeAndre Hunter. But for a general manager, you only have a couple of years before an owner starts getting impatient. And, you know, the days of winning 20 games and 25 games becomes very, very short. And he's got he's got to figure out who's a part of this team moving forward. So having such a long layoff, you know, going into free agency and going into the draft where they have the sixth pick, that's tough for a general manager. And you know, and that doesn't even in, um, take into the account that again, like they may go nine months without playing a game. So you're going to probably have some rust um, when they do return. You have to also try and fit Clint Capella into the equation. He hasn't played a game with the Hawks yet. They acquired him at the trade uh, deadline. That, that seems like a great combination for Trey, though, right, as a lob threat. Yeah, he, yeah on, on paper, that, that's um, definitely um, uh, kind of suited toward Trey, Trey's game because right. the Hawks are on a lot of spread pick and roll, and, and Capella is one of the best rollers in the league. The only thing yeah. I would say about it is that, you know, I'm not sure long-term if Capella is a center that the Hawks should use because, in my opinion, like you want to have a lot of shooters on the floor with Trey, and Capella is a non-shooter. Um, you know, if Cam Well, Reddish at the least he could come off the bench, right? At the least. Yeah. Yeah, he yeah. can definitely come off the bench. Um, so I, I think long-term it's going to be interesting to see what they do at that position, but – um, you know, again, I, I think they're heading in the right direction for a rebuilding team. I think they're, right. um, you know, in a, in a good spot more so than some of these other rebuilding teams because they, they do have a, uh, an ascending start in Trey, and I think that's the most important part. Yeah, I think people were tough on Cam. Um, he did show some promise towards the end of mm-hmm. the season uh, yep. over his last 20-plus game. Did shoot over 40% from three. How confident are you that uh, Cam will make a leap? either this upcoming season or the season after? Well, I think out of all the young guys um, on the wing, him, uh, Herter, and Hunter, I do think that Reddish has the higher, highest ceiling out of all of them. Um, right. And he probably was 
the the one guy on the team who was really hurt by the fact that the season ended when it did because like you mentioned he was starting to figure out like okay like this is where I should be like this is the the defensive yeah. scheme that we're trying to run and this is where I should be on, on defense and this is what I should do on offense and you know you you lose that when the season is is cut the way it did so I, I do believe that he's going to end up being one of the core foundational pieces that the Hawks try and, and build around with Trey just because he is already as as a rookie he showed that he's pretty good defensively and that he's only going to get better because like I was saying like he he started to figure out like okay like this is where I should be on the floor and that's part of it especially on defense for a rookie um so I I do think that you know if if I was buying stock in in Reddish he would definitely be someone I'd be looking at long term for um building a roster around Trey because as we've seen Trey's not a good defender and he he probably won't be a good defender for his career so you have to have some guys around him who are really high level plus 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 defenders and I think Reddish can be that one day yeah most definitely I mean a lot of great players don't become great till season four I think Mm -hmm. uh, we're really impatient when it comes to that yeah I mean like the the thing about about it is like we we live in a society where um, you know, social media provides instant gratification. I mean, and it also translates over, you know, well, bleeds over in, into sports, especially with rookies, because we watch these guys in college basketball and, um, you know, they might be the absolute, you know, superstar in college basketball. They get to the NBA and they're like, well, this guy's a bust. I mean, they were saying it about Trey, like, his first shot in summer league was an air ball and people were calling him bust. Like why, why'd you, why'd you draft this guy? He's six foot, um, can't do anything. So I think it's, it's kind of unfortunate for these rookies because all of them are on their phones. Like you're in the locker room after the game, before the game, they're all on social media. Like they're all reading what is said about them and it can get to, you know, these guys' heads. You can say what you want, about, well, they're paid millions of dollars, but millions of dollars doesn't affect mental health. You still still have to, you know, as Marshawn Lynch said, take care of your mentals because, I mean, like, that that stuff does, like, get to them. They're human at the end of the day, so it makes sense. So I I think for, for, um, you know, fans, I think they're going to have to show a lot of patience with with, um, Reddish, Hunter, and even Kevin Herter, Um, you know, I think all three of those guys have a lot of room to grow in their games, and that's going to be really important for the Hawks moving forward. Chris, what are you hearing about the draft? We cover the draft often a lot here on Mm -hmm. this podcast. Um, What are you hearing that the Hawks might like to do? Well, they're they're in an interesting spot because, you know, we've, we've just been talking about several of their young players and this team is one of the youngest teams already in the league. And they they have the sixth pick in the, in the draft. And the Hawks definitely f- feel like it's one of the weaker drafts in, in recent memory. So, and I, I think the Hawks aren't um, the only team that is looking at, at, this, at it this way. Is that if, you know, they can take this pick and possibly move it for a, an established young player or an established young player plus draft capital in the future, that's probably 
something that Schlenk will strongly consider. If they end up picking at sixth, I think there are a few players who make a lot of sense for them. As we were just saying, like they need defenders. They need high-level defenders. The more, the merrier. Um, yeah. Auburn's uh, Isaac Okoro, one of the best um, defenders in this draft, arguably the best defender in this draft. He makes a lot of sense. I also think Florida State's Devin Vassell makes a lot of sense because uh, Vassell, like Okoro, one of the better defenders in this draft, but he also shot over 40% from three at, at, at FSU um, in both of his seasons with the Seminoles, whereas Okoro, there's a lot of um, unknowns with his shot, shot under 30% from three. And like I was saying with Capella, you know, you want to have the most high-level shooters you can around Trey. I think that is the, the key to success long-term for them. And the, you know, the one thing I will say about the Hawks is like when you're building around Trey, you have to factor defense into the equation. Otherwise, you're, yeah. you run the risk of being what they've been for the past two seasons now. I mean, this past season, in 67 games, they gave up 119 points per game. They're, that was the worst in in the league. You're not going to win many games like that. Um, you know, you just you just can't. Trey is an absolute star on offense, but you know the defense is is obviously is what it is right now. It's 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 not good. So you have to when you when you talk about the draft, you have to look at strong defenders um, and also guys who can play alongside Trey. That's why I think. Someone like Tyrese Halliburton from Iowa State. Yeah, one of my favorite he's, prospects, for sure. Yeah, he's yeah. so he's a combo guard. Um, and, and what I like about him is that, um, you know, I, I just spoke with uh, Iowa State's coach um, a few weeks ago, Steve Prom, and he was telling me, like, he thrives on and off the ball. And that's something that the Hawks could definitely use. And what I like about Halliburton for the Hawks, too, is he's a really good team defender. Um He's one of the smartest players in this draft. You talk to agents, executives, uh, people who cover the draft 365, and everybody raves about him being just really smart um, basketball player who is who has no qualms like being in the background. He has no qualms of you know I'm the sixth pick, like you know give me the ball, let me get 25 shots a game. Like he's not that kind of guy, and I, I think that's that's something that the Hawks could definitely use on draft night. Yeah, I'm with you there. Um, I think he's a guy that makes everybody around him better. And just as you mentioned, you need shooting around Trey. He rated 99th percentile in the NCAA in spot-up shooting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, and that's, some, that's uh, a, a part of the, the game that the Hawks really struggled in this past season. Uh, they were the worst three-point shooting team in the league. Um, you know, Halliburton, like Vassell, shot over 40% from three. And like you said, one of the best spot-up shooters in the game. And when you have someone like Trey who, who can, you know, drive to the basket, kick you out with either hand and find the open shooters, you want guys who can knock down those shots. And I think Halliburton fits that bill um, perfectly. I'm with you. I'm with you. Um, NBA, all-NBA team just came out. Uh, a few snubs, mm-hmm. I would say. Bradley Beal. Chris Middleton and and Trey Young, man, the Atlanta Hawk himself. Uh, do you feel like any of those guys should have got on? And what were your thoughts on the list? Yeah, so um, looking at the list, I I am a voter uh, on okay. the 
the awards, I did not vote Trey as um, one of the guards to um, make all NBA. I, I, I do think that winning matters when it comes to all NBA and the Hawks won 20 games. It, it's, it's hard to justify, um, you know, putting him on there. I, I get his stats. I watch every single, I've watched every single minute of Trey Young's career. That's the, you know, the team that has been built around him has not been good. It's not his fault, but you have to, when you're talking about, um, you know, making arguments for, different players around the league, you have to, especially at, at that high level, you have to start nitpicking here and there. And I think that is one of the things that, um, you know, caused me not to vote for him. And on the other end of the floor, you know, he's scoring 30 and he's, you know, given up close to that on the, end, on the other end of the floor. So I, I'll, I'll go through my, um, my teams. Okay. So for guards, I had James Harden and LeBron. Um, first team forwards. So I, I will say this before um, move, moving on, like the NBA made it so difficult this year that some guys who were eligible to play full, I mean, to get on there as a guard forward or center don't even play there. Like for example, like Nikola Jokic was eligible at, at forward. He doesn't play forward. Um, so that that's that's something that it who is knows so who knows what Nikola Jokic is. He's like point <laughs> he, he, center. Exactly. He can, yeah, he might be eligible for he might be more eligible for point guard than he is for you know <laughs> forward. Um, but that, but that that makes it so difficult as a voter to you know figure out the fifteen guys who would you like them to take um, positions out deserving. all the way? They, would you, they should take it all. They should yeah. take it out because, you know, as, as I'm saying, like, if you have Jokic eligible at forward, like, what is the point of having these positions in the first place? Um, you know, just make it the top 15 players in the league and, you know, call it a day. But, you know, this was my first team. I had Harden, LeBron, uh, Luka, Giannis, and Anthony Davis. Second team, I had uh, Lillard, Chris Paul, Kawhi, Jason Tatum, and Jokic as my center. And then third team, I had Chris Middleton, Ben Simmons, Jimmy Butler, Pascal Siakam, and Rudy Gobert. So um, I think Butler didn't make it. Middleton didn't make it. Um, Siakam was second team. I don't necessarily agree with that. I, I do think that Tatum was better this year for the Celtics. I, I do think that Siakam had a really, really good season. Yeah, that, definitely, fact. definitely in the bubble, but it was a lot closer pre-bubble, right? Yeah, pre. Yeah, so I, I know some. People I saw on Twitter already saying like, "How the hell is Siakam one of the top fifteen players?" Yada yada. Like that. The what happened in the bubble? What happened in the playoffs is meaningless right. for these awards. Like these right. awards. Like we were specifically told, none of what happened in the bubble um, applies to the the voting. What did you feel about if, that? At least for the seeding games, do you think they should have? Be it's 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 hard though because like you have guys like Beal and and. and Young, yeah. who obviously aren't in, in the in the right. the bubble, and then you had someone like Devin Booker, who was, you know, in the conversation to be one of those um, thirteen guards, in my opinion, and he gets an extra eight games and, and balls out, and you know, with recency bias being really strong with a lot of voters, like he probably would have gotten more votes than he did. So, I'm, I'm glad that they decided to not include those eight games as. Um, as the measuring tool because it, at the end of the day, it's, it's unfair for the guys who didn't have those additional eight. Right. So did you, your first team matched up from what I'm hearing, right? 
Yeah, so everybody, um, Luca, Luca and Kawhi were the the last guys I, I was debating over for first team. Oh, you got to go with Luca there, regular season, all the yeah, management Kawhi it, did, it, you know? Exactly. I mean, yeah. Kawhi was – Kawhi's numbers were great. Yeah. But Luca, what he did for the Mavericks this year was phenomenal. Um, right. I, I would be shocked if he doesn't end up winning uh, several MVPs in his in his career. He's amazing, and I think the Mavericks are a, a team that you know moving forward it, they're going to be really interesting because they have Luca. If Chris Stapps can stay healthy, they yeah. have they have space to you know make a move for a big time player. Like if Giannis decides, you know what, the Milwaukee not for me. Like he would be interesting in, in Dallas, and they have the money, and you know Mark Cuban would um, do anything it takes to win a championship. So I think yeah. they're going to be a really interesting team moving forward. A hundred percent agree, Chris. Great stuff. You're always welcome back on the show. Where can we find you on social media and everywhere else? Yeah, you guys can follow me on Twitter at Chris Kirshner, K-I-R-S-C-H-N-E-R. If you're not subscribed to The Athletic, highly recommend it. We got a $1 a month deal right now, which is crazy. We have some of the best writers in the game, not even just NBA. Like if, if you like Premier League soccer over in the UK, like we have the best writers with that. Cover baseball, baseball playoffs coming up, NHL playoffs are, are ongoing. So highly recommend subscribing to The Athletic. Again, we have a $1 deal right now, which is, which is the craziest deal I've seen since I started working there in, in my two years. Chris, great stuff. You're always welcome back on the show. Talk soon. Thanks, man. Anytime. Thank you for tuning in to Combo's Court. Appreciate all of the listeners across the globe. And big thanks to Chris for joining in. We appreciate you, Combo Nation. Tell a friend to tell a friend about the show. And don't forget to rate, review, and punch down on that subscribe button wherever you listen to Combo's Court. Be on the lookout for episode 199 Combo. Out.